Why don't we come together? Why do we gotta fight? Why do we gotta fight? Let's be like sis and brother who finally got it right. Let's face up each other. Black, brown, yellow, blue, white. Let's cherish all the color instead of spitting spite. The highest we can be. You are listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Dr. McKinney. How you doing, Mr. Ficklin? Uh, the honest answer. You want the honest answer or the politically correct answer? Give me the right. Give me the give me the truth, man. The truth and nothing, the truth and nothing truth. So help you God, right? Right. And I think that's what we're going to be discussing today, that that's an ephemeral and contestable uh uh affirmation, regardless of who's who's even kind of writing the Old Testament or the New Testament or the Apocrypha or the Book of Thomas, you know, the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of the Gospels that didn't make it into the top four. Yeah. Um, so personally, I uh, not not to talk about you, but my direct answer is that my obituary, I could write my obituary today and would be pretty, pretty pleased about it because I've been, you and I, what we know, 500 people at least that are no longer on the planet in the last 10 years. So uh, from from that macro standpoint, I have, I have no complaints. Uh, mm. I, I was glad we could kind of chat today because I was feeling kind of down, and uh, I realized that sometimes just engaging with folks kind of gets me out of my my morass. So I didn't get to the press conference this morning that I had alluded to, but I'm really glad that you're available. How, how are you doing on this 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 speck of earth that revolves around the sun? Well, man, I'm I'm hanging in there, fighting the fight. Uh, you know, trying to uh, uh, get our people, all people, really thinking right. Indeed, indeed. Because if you're not thinking right, you don't behave right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chat about your this most recent personal challenge that you've been encountering, mm-hmm. and I think and I think not to be argumentative to you about getting uh, persuading others. But I, I think you and I are just doing what we can do in terms of speaking our our perception. We could say truth, but speaking our our, our experience and yeah. and let, letting the chips fall where they may. So today's conversation is these chips are falling, and we know that the struggle continues, and that and there were, and that we're always being being watched one way or the other. The surveillance state individually and and institutionally is is, is certainly rampant. So you uh, have been a, a columnist. Uh, uh, for at least what the last 10 years separate from your business development uh, standpoint but more recently uh bring bring my our listeners and viewers to bring them up to speed with this most recent uh salvo that you've been involved with where you uh were or speaking perceptions and truths and and uh delineations about the the global geo- geopolitical morass in the middle east um and and the and the moral vacuum and you've received some blowback is that correct that that's right but this is as you would you probably know from your own experiences this is not new this has been happening for some time and as you mentioned i've been writing uh, a column for 
really over 10 years. I started writing for the uh, for the media, the mass media, uh, back when I was at the Greater New England Minority Supplier Development Council mm -hmm. up in Boston. And just, you know, a little bit of an origin story of this activity. Um, if you don't mind, I can. Please, please. We have, we have time. Sure, sure. Sure. So, um, you know, I've always been interested in uh, editorial points of view. And it actually goes back to my childhood. Uh, my mom, who passed a few years ago, mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up and we would get in the car, she would be driving with my brother and my two younger, my older brother and my two younger sisters. We would have conversations probably, uh, probably uncommon in, hmm. in black households in the 1960s, perhaps, mm -hmm. because she would say, she would inform us about, you know, something that had happened uh, that day that was, we were, this is in Washington, D.C., that may have been reported in the Washington Post, or at that time there was another newspaper. I used to actually deliver the newspaper. It was called the Washington Star. Mm -hmm. And so she would ask, she would say something, and she would ask us, you know, what do you think about it? <laughs> and so, you know, we probably hadn't thought much about it until she brought it up. Mm -hmm. But after a while, you got into the practice of, you know, doing your own analysis about what was going on at a fairly young age. And over time, um, you know, as when I got to college and I went to school at uh, UCLA back in the 70s, and that was a hotbed of political and social activity when I was there. And I started UCLA in 1972. Uh, uh, Baraka from the, uh, who developed Kwanzaa was, was was there at the time. Angela Davis was on campus at the time. Um, you know, there was an active, um, you know, struggle going on between the Black Panthers on campus and us, another group that many of your listeners may have never heard of, but they can Google it. And they were sort of an alternative to the Panthers. So there was a lot of, you know, activity. And during that time at UCLA, I began writing. Uh, we had a we had a black newspaper on campus that was called Nomo, N-O-M-E-O, -E uh -huh. which in Swahili means the power of the word. Yes. And so I used to write for, for Nomo. And, and then my senior year, I became president of the Black Student Union. And so I had a column in the paper then. You know, Tom, it's interesting because, um, you know, fast forward a few, a couple of years, uh, I had an opportunity when I came to Yale in 1976. And then in 1978, I took a position uh, at the at the White House, at the Council of Economic Advisors. And I remember very distinctly when I was uh, when I was hired by uh, the the Council of Economic Advisors at the White House, the uh, you have a, a an interview with the security because you're going to be coming into a very secured location. And one of the the people I was talking that interviewed me said, "You know, you ought to have your you ought to have your file sealed." Hmm. <laughs> I said, "Why?" 
He says, and they showed me, he says, you know, we got all this information about you. You mentioned surveillance. Mm-hmm. So this is going back to 1978. They had records. They had copies of everything I had published. Uh, they had interviewed um, people that were I was friends with and people I wasn't friends with. So, um, you know, the, the, the word, the nomo, the power of the word, it's, it's real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I've always respected the, the, the word and, 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 and sharing, you know, your thoughts in words with people who you may not know, but who may be interested in your point of view. So, mm-hmm. so I've had a long, you know, most of my adult life, I've been, you know, thinking out loud. Yes. And, and writing about things. And so, um, you know, there, there's been the, the, the issue, the recent editorials that I've published in several uh, publications, including the, the Hartford current, uh, and the New Haven Register and, and several other papers uh, about the current struggle in Gaza, uh, again, comes from uh, an analysis, a, a, a historical analysis, uh, which, which, which tells me that what's going on uh, is wrong uh, and it is uh, not sustainable. Uh, and is ultimately going to uh, end badly for for Israel, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know that's a that's a point of view in this country that I have been warned to stay away from. Yes, my people who love me, mm-hmm. who tell me, say, "Hey, Fred, don't don't you know this is before I even talk. Uh, I decided to write about it." They said, "Fred, don't write about that because." You know, it'll ruin you. And, you know, and I thought about that. And and Tom, this is this is the good thing about this stage of our lives. Um, and I, I looked around and I said, you know what? I can write about what I want to write about without fear or favor, because quite frankly, I don't need anything that they offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I understand how fortunate I am to be in that position. But if you're in that position, and this is a message to other progressives, that you can't fear the consequences of your your thoughts if you believe in them. That's right. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to fight the fight, and you there will be consequences, but. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to share what you're, what you're thinking. So bring us up to speed just in terms of this, this local salvo and um, yeah, attempt of character assassination and legal assassination on your, on your <laughs> yeah. body, mind, spirit, and soul. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was surprised uh, recently. This was after we did our last interview. Um, I was surprised to learn that um, a writer in the Hartford Current um, singled me out, but really attacked um, a friend of mine who essentially liked 
an editorial comment that I made in a LinkedIn post. And in that LinkedIn post, I basically said that the mainstream media is not covering Gaza mm -hmm. as it should. And I singled out, I said, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, the darling of the left, all these organizations, and not to mention Fox or any of these other groups that call themselves news outlets, they were not covering Gaza. And we know that. They didn't even have people on the ground until a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And even when they were on the ground, like right now, they're traveling with the Israeli army. So what are they going to see and what are they going to be able to report on? And so I've noted in my in my post that people, if they want to see what's going on, they need to look at Al Jazeera. Mm -hmm. Because Al Jazeera has, has boots on the ground in Gaza. And they've got photographers, they've got writers, they've got people documenting what's going on. And so if you want to know what's going on, watch that. You're not going to see it on MSNBC. You're not going to see it on CNN. You're not going to see it in the Washington Post. You're not going to see it in the New York Times, the the, the supposedly record, papers of record and, and, and news outlets of record are not showing this. And as a result, you're getting, you know, political decisions that are that are that are not informed. Now, I know that the people at the State Department know what's going on. The, mm -hmm. people, the people in the White House know what's going on. The people in the Defense Department know what's going on. And But, you know, we're not getting the American people. If you just look at the newspapers and the, and, and, and the, and the, and the news media, the mainstream media, you're not, you're not going to find out what's going on in that, in that struggle. So, but I think that, so there, in addition to just uh, folks generally not necessarily vibing or agreeing with your, with your hypothesis and postulations and, and, and fact sharing, but there's a, wasn't there a legal case that's, that's original? Yeah, now, now, I, I want to be clear. The legal, you know, this goes to that, like I said, I have a long history of this kind of stuff. The legal case was, um, and I found out about this because, um, the FBI and the the U.S. Uh, Postal Service police, they knocked on my door mm. and they came to my house and they said, you know, um, we we think you have you have been the subject of a threat. And I said, I well, <laughs> that I've got I've got some letters to to prove it. And they said, Well, can we see the letters? And I said, sure. So I gave them letters that I had received from a reader. This goes back prior to the Gaza war. Mm -hmm. This was a different issue. That, okay. <laughs> that got somebody upset. So I guess I have a penchant for for getting people riled up. But in any case, this guy, local guy from Hamden, who had been convicted in the past mm. of threatening President Obama, okay, he, he had written me a letter, several letters actually, 
And this was about the time of George Floyd when I was writing about the uh, policing in America, uh, the the condition of black Americans, particularly in urban America, uh, the the role of of the state and and the treatment of black Americans, uh, the history of that, uh, going back to slavery and Jim Crow and the civil rights era and affirmative action and, and to today. So I was doing really historical analysis of, of, of the, the situation after George Floyd. Mm -hmm. He reacted to that, basically mm. saying that, you know, um, people like me should be essentially eliminated. Mm. And so I shared that those letters, those correspondences with the FBI. And they got back to me and said, yeah, this is the guy. The guy who wrote this is the guy who had threatened Obama mm. and um, has threatened you, but he's also threatened some other people. And I don't know who those other people are. Mm -hmm. And it is it was in violation of his previous conviction of threatening the president. Mm. Mm. And so... Uh, he was rearrested, mm. and this is a local guy. Mm -hmm. He lives in our community, mm -hmm. and so I I asked, you know, I said, well, well what does that mean? What, where is he, and what does it mean he's arrested? Right. And they basically told me he's got a ankle bracelet on, uh, but he's still kind of among us. But they say they know where he is at all times. So. I've been in I, as you know. There's a there is a uh, a system in the U.S. just because this is a violation of federal law. You can't mm -hmm. go around threatening people, mm -hmm. and you can't go around threatening writers. You can't go around threatening politicians uh, with physical violence. And so, um, I have a I guess a a new a new status, and that is of a victim. Yes. <laughs> and so, and so I get these emails from the Justice Department now informing me of the status of this case against mm -hmm. this local guy who who threatened me and others. And, you know, what's, what's kind of interesting, Tom, is uh, this he was supposed to be. It's not a matter of his guilt or innocence. He's he's been determined to be guilty. This is a matter now of what is the appropriate sentence for him. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I got emails from the Justice Department saying the case is in New Haven, at the federal court in New Haven. And it was supposed to be, he was supposed to be sentenced in September of 23. And so I got an, I got an email said, you know, it's been postponed. He's going to be sentenced in October. October rolls around. I get another email. He's it's been postponed. He's going to be uh, uh, sentenced in November. November rolls around. Oh, it's going to be postponed. He's going to be he's going to be sentenced in January. Now I, I got something not too long ago. I actually called the 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 uh, the Justice Department to see what the status is, and they said, "Well, no, he's going to be sentenced now in April." I see. Now I I wonder, you know, I know the wheels of justice run slowly at times but this this seems a little strange that that somebody has been convicted and it's taking this long to sentence him
Indeed. Indeed. That that's something I'm going to look into. I noticed in November notice that you share with me, and as you probably observed as well, that it was at that point um assigned to to Judge Victor Bolden. Yes. And uh so I'll reach out to to, to Victor and, and maybe try to get an update or from his staff. But talk about talk about irony of ironies. Uh, <laughs> No, he's he's that guy's he's in front of the wrong judge. Well, yeah. <laughs> Let's you know as we it's January twenty fourth and next in a, in a few days we'll yeah. begin begin a Black History Month Negro yeah. Negro History Week. I kind of like to re refer to February African Genesis Week, but obviously it's a twenty four seven three sixty five endeavor. Uh, take me back if you if you would to um, to to UCLA. Because mm -hmm. you you referenced Ron Karinga, and uh, I, I do urge people to kind of research that just that that episode with us, the Black Panthers, Karinga, um, Angela. Um, as you know, Erica Huggins is 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 alive and well and thriving, and John Huggins, you know, is from here from from New Haven. Right. So just, just that one little episode. When I say little, when people died, yeah, and Karinga was was convicted subsequently. subsequently but Kwanzaa has become so popular, and I right. still am very ambivalent about celebrating it. But again, it's do you condemn the messenger or do you look at the message? But right. yeah, I urge people to kind of just uh, Google Ron Karinga and, and and Kwanzaa and how it kind of generated because that 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 tension between the, the 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 disparity, if you will, be between our our visions and our our wanting to see the the glass to be half full. Versus it being half empty, and and our and our internal struggles as a community are really really profound. As you were talking, also, uh, Doctor Fred, my mind went to uh, uh, David Walker. Yeah, uh, you know, people eighteen twenty eight with right. uh, uh, with his with his with his Magnus Opus, and, and he died under curious circumstances. So it seems to me that we've been trying to trying to uh, share the truth for 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 a while. Um, lastly, when you mentioned the Surveillance Society, just Beverly Cage has really a great book out on 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 uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't seen that. What is it? Uh, Beverly Cage. She's here at Yale. G. A. G. E. It, it's an autobiography on 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 uh, on Hoover. Mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 a number of pages. She doesn't get into the sensationalism enough, but she really talks gives it more of a sociological. Uh, kind of interpretation of his 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 background, his lifestyle, his grooming, how that influences decision. But there's enough there, and there's enough in other sources about that. He he kind of 1919 is when he got his start in terms of surveilling mm -hmm. black, the black community. So the the co what we call the COINTELPRO Pro really uh, talk, talk, in terms of origin stories. It right. really was before 1919 with slave catchers. But but yeah. the Beverly Cage book on uh, on Hoover is really fascinating. And uh, yeah, I, I chat with people. Guess in conclusion, when I, not conclusion conclusion for this for episode, but when people talk about are we uh, is our information being federally observed? I say yeah. <laughs> There's no well, for a long time before we knew before Edward, you know, before Snowden. I mean, this is just just part of the routine. Uh, any thoughts about anything? I guess yeah. Just mention I mean that it brings back a lot of memories. Uh, you know, this is living history for you and I. A lot of this is. And it, that's why it's good, I think, for us to talk about it so that, you know, younger folks who have to read about it can actually hear some firsthand stories about it. Mm. 
And again, I'll go back to UCLA and uh, the, the, the Black Panther Party at that time was very active in Los Angeles. And uh, some of the, the sh there was a there was a major shooting that occurred. It was sort of a, a, a battle between us and the Black Panthers on campus. And and certainly, you know, the Panthers were active on campus mm -hmm. and 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 a couple of Panthers were shot. Uh, there was another Panther named uh, Geronimo Pratt. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that name, mm -hmm. but uh, Geronimo Pratt was convicted wrongly of of killing a, a an LAPD cop, um, and he was he was sentenced to uh, uh, life in prison in to San Quentin. Mm. And so when I was, I mentioned I was president of the Black Student Union in 1975-76, uh, I organized a trip to visit Geronimo Pratt mm. at San Quentin. So I went to San Quentin and met with him. <clears throat> and of course, you know, he, he proclaimed his innocence. And it turned out that he was innocent. That's right. The FBI had to agree that he was innocent. And, you know, but he spent years in in, incarcer in incarceration for a crime he didn't do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was finally let out and he understandably left the United States and went to Tanzania. Where not too long after he got there, he he passed. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, brilliant man, a, a freedom fighter uh, who uh, was wrongly convicted by J. Edgar Hoover and Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. He was involved in this as well. That's right. And and I'm really glad you mentioned San Quentin as we as people listen and just for them to kind of just say, well, what, 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 what's the importance of San Quentin? Just kind of Google research, talk to people. But obviously George Jackson comes to mind and you, and you mentioned and Angela Davis. Uh, I have a shirt on, can't really see all of it, but I guess just arrived the other day. Uh, but it has Megar Evers on it. Uh, Joanne Chesmar is on it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Malcolm is on it. Martin is on it. Megar's on it. Uh, Stokely. Kwame, Kwame changed his name, and right. it's, it talks about all these people have FBI files. Yep, absolutely. So at the top, it says, "My heroes have F FBI files," and I'm gonna, I, I'll be wearing it today, this evening. That Ruby Bridges is speaking at Yale for, in honor of Martin Luther King Day at Yale, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna wear it and kind of, I'll be wearing it for almost almost every other day. But yeah. folks do not realize or remember or even know that Jackie Robinson. And yeah. there was FBI file on Jackie before he even started with uh, the Dodgers when he was in Montreal. Right. So he was perceived to be a uh, a person of interest, let's say, right. in terms of threatening our domestic tranquility, even before be joining the, the the majors. And right. and the FBI file, he was not accused of anything. It was just surveillance. But it's really fascinating how his 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 uh, efforts were documented, his travels, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as, as early as 1946, 47, not to mention the 
the, uh, the, the military uh, situation that he encountered yep. as a lieutenant. Uh, so this, um, this surveillance, whether we're in a surveillance society or, or Gestapo part 20, uh, or, and we know about the rise of fascism across the nation, across the world, not to mention what might happen in 2024 unless we get our act together. So yeah, this is, you, in, in a way, I, I know you, I can't speak for how you're disciplining yourself to have a, 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 a normal day mentally, but given our, our, our background and, and the stony road we've been traveling, it is a, it is a challenge, but also it, it needs to be an exhilaration for what is the role of what is the role of elders as, right. as we speak. Absolutely. And, you know, again, a lot of this history is personal with me. Jonathan Jackson, George Jackson's younger brother, who worked with Angela Davis to try to free his brother, who was basically, you know, this was, uh, you know, three strikes and you're out type law mm -hmm. that for a minor crime, George Jackson was looking at spending the rest of his life. I believe he was in Folsom. He may have been in San Quentin too, but um, Jonathan Jackson went to high school with me. Mm. Mm. It, mm. It, here's the other connection. Jackie Robinson went to the same high school I attended mm. and the same college. So Jackie Robinson, Jonathan Jackson went to John Muir High School in Pasadena, California. Yes. And that's where I graduated from high school. Yes. Mm. So, you know, there there's all these really personal connections between the struggle uh then and, and today. Um and you know those those personal histories uh affect how we view the world. Yes. And you know that's not to say that you know we are saints. I'm not trying to tell anybody I'm a saint. But when we see uh, behavior by people in power that are abusing that power, whether it's in Gaza or in Watts, Los Angeles, mm -hmm. or in New Haven, you know, I, I think it's incumbent upon those who see it and have a voice to speak out and say, well, at least ask some questions. Mm hmm you know what is going on here and why the I, i'm i'm tempted dr fred to ask about the uh the election yesterday yeah in in, in bridgeport when you just when you mentioned about abusing of power uh, but it, whether it's on the macro level or the the micro level these are and then trying to weave in when you mentioned about uh folks understanding this historical moment that we're in uh but but not, not, let me let, 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 let me let me not go there not, but but um ruby as i mentioned ruby bridges is in town this this mm -hmm. evening and i think many people have seen the picture of young ruby what seven or eight years old kind of coming down yep. the steps right with her, with her briefcase and her right. white so white socks and her classic her church shoes and her, her dress of the proper length surrounded yep. surround right. es escorted by by, by by soldiers right what does that say i mean in in the in the 50s where we, it wasn't that ruby was trying to to uh break into fort knox right it wasn't that she was trying to steal the the formula for coke it was for coca-cola it wasn't like she wanted to uh send threats to Faubus or 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 whoever was the governor of, or of alabama at that or at that time what does that say about it? And obviously, we we fought. We, we have fought in the 
in the so-called war for independence and the, the civil war and and other wars. What did it say in, in the fifties where a little young black child needs to be escorted yeah. uh, to, to school? Well, it says that it says several things to me. It says that there there are a lot of people in this country who view intelligent black people as threatening mm. and view education as a tool that threatens power and ignorance. Mm. And there there is there's there's a that that threat continues that view of black people as being threatening is is still true today. Mm. And to the extent that you know and I think this this goes into some of the the, the blowback that I've gotten from some of my recent editorials is there are a large number of of people I think in fairly high places who think black people should stay in a particular lane. Mm. You know, you can talk about black folks you can talk about poor folks, you know, but you're not supposed to talk about real societal structural issues that affect us directly mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. affect our power directly. And you're definitely not supposed to be chiming in on international issues. Stay out of that. Mm -hmm. and, and definitely don't be talking about, you know, folks that you don't know which you supposedly don't know about. And, and so, you know, part of my writing now is to talk about those areas that are politically taboo for Black folks to be opining about. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, Ruby's, that picture that's kind of, it, it's burned into my head. Yes. I can see it. Yes. It, that is a picture that demonstrates the threat of of black intelligence and black knowledge. And what's ashamed is it shouldn't be a threat. Right. We are not. We are not here to take anything away from you that is yours. But. We are going to defend ourselves mm -hmm. and demand what is right. But that doesn't mean that we're here to threaten you. We're not here to threaten anybody. So it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 a, I'm, I'm glad she's here and I, I, I wish I could, could join you tonight, but. I know it's going to be wonderful for those college kids to hear her and her experience. That's right. That's right. That's right. But my, my, my mind went to uh, Dr. Fred as you were chatting about people's various philosophies and the development of their, their, their perceptions and their beliefs and their desire to get ahead. My mind went to people often sometimes see Yale to be a, a bastion of liberal thought, but I think we often forget that, Buckley kind of mm -hmm. started started at Yale. Then yep. we forget that that Bork kind of continued the torch, and right. you know, and people forget that DeSantis had kind of an affiliation. Affiliation, absolutely. Uh, so the these the, what we call the conservative movement, wherever you want to kind of think that it started, uh, 
these institutions certainly have played a role in that regard. We, you and I were talking about the role of the uh, role of Ivy League presidents just in general last time we spoke, mm -hmm. not knowing that Claudine Gay would be um, uh, cru crucified. And yeah. so I wonder whether you would like to kind of chat, comment about that. And also the president at, at Penn yeah. uh, and, and Solovey here at Yale has done a, in my mind, a tremendous job of uh, uh, defending the institution, but also talking about accountability Right. free speech. Uh, and I say a tremendous job in terms of, the, of there's been a volume of letters, of press conferences, of documents that he's shared with the internal and ex external community. But I just wonder whether if you had any thoughts about Claudine and, and uh, powers that be. Um, well, again, she's another demonstration of of what is prescribed that even black intellectuals are allowed to talk about freely. Now, I think, um, you know, she, she was she was on a on a tightrope. Mm -hmm. I think she was poorly advised uh, when she went to Congress. I mean, she should have won. She she should have known that that was going to be the nature of the conversation, mm -hmm. and I think she should have used that as an opportunity to explain what she meant by context. Yes, what was the context that she was concerned about? And in the context we're talking about here is the the October seventh massacre mm -hmm. in in Israel. And it was a horrible, terrible, despicable event. But there's always context. And she could have used that opportunity to educate the American people and the people in Congress. Because right. at that point, that by the time that she was there, and she if she was going to take that position, the writing was already on the wall. She was gone. Hmm. She was gone. Hmm. And and that's the reality again of a censorship in America. Mm -hmm. There are certain things you can't talk about. There are certain people you can't criticize without being viewed as some some some, some as outside of 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 what's acceptable. And so you know this was one of those this was one of those things that even the president of Harvard is prohibited from talking about. But she should have talked about what she mm -hmm. meant by context. Mm -hmm. And we'd be further along in this conversation than we are today. I, I, I made a brief comment on Facebook. I've been, sometimes, sometimes I've just been trying to do some like teasers. So I mentioned Claudine Gay, um, uh, Anita Hill, and uh, the lady from Harvard, the law school, Lonnie Grenier. So I've mentioned Lonnie Gay and uh, uh, and Hill and and Anita Hill. Just and because yeah. it, it just put some 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 marks. What what's the connection between those three? Uh, yeah. You know, folks will suggest that MLK was kind of a there are a variety of reasons that he was probably assassinated, uh, state sanctioned assassinated, but assassinated. But people will suggest that this is speaking out in terms of Vietnam. Absolutely. Was, 
He was not. He was outside of the lane, and that's what I'm talking about. He's 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 allowed to talk about civil rights and voting rights, but don't be messing with the military industrial complex. We got billions of dollars here at stake. We got billions of dollars right now at stake in Israel. People are getting rich in this country, blowing up innocent civilians in Gaza. And that's a reality. So, yes, you're absolutely right. You know, there was another thing that I've written about. I don't know if anybody's going to publish it, but I'll share it with you, Tom, because I think you'd appreciate it. And it, it it goes, you know, you had the election. I thought you were talking about the election yesterday, the election in Bridgeport. You also had the election, I, I was, yeah. the 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 primary in, in New Hampshire. Yes. And uh, which uh, the former president won by about 10 points over his primary opponent, Nikki Haley. And the week before the primary in New Hampshire, uh, Nikki Haley was on uh, CNN being interviewed by Jake Tapper. And Tapper asked Haley, is America a racist country? Mm-hmm. And she flubbed it. She she if, if that were an oral exam, she would have flunked it in my class, her answer. And I, so I'm writing about, I wrote about this. I don't know if they're going to publish it, but basically what I say is that was an opportunity for her. And I'm not promoting her or, or <laughs> heaven forbid anybody else in that party right now. But she had an opportunity to provide the context that mm-hmm. we're talking about. And I don't think a lot of people you know, were, are aware of her personal history that is really important, particularly when you're talking about a president. Where do you come from? Who are you? And what makes you special? And, you know, for everybody, there's something <laughs> that makes you special. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, in her case, her mother and father were born in India. Mm-hmm. And are of the the, the Sikh religion, mm-hmm. and you know most people, many people confuse the Sikhs with Muslims. They're not. Yes, they wear turbans, but that's not Muslim. That's Sikh out of India, and they're very you know it's a, it's different from Hinduism. It's different from Islam, and they are a minority religion in India. And they have experienced as a religious group a lot of discrimination in India and elsewhere. In fact, there is a case right now in Canada where the Indian government is being investigated by the Canadian government for assassinating a Sikh leader in Vancouver, Vancouver, Canada. That's right. Okay, so that's those are people that her father and mother grew up in that Sikh culture. A minority in India, yes. a persecuted minority in North America. She could have said, she could have talked about her father. 
That's right. She could have talked about her mother. She could have said they experienced a lot of things. That's why they left India. And also, she, her father, and I did a little homework on her father. Her father was a biology professor in South Carolina, working at and teaching at a historically black college. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's where he worked. He was a professor at Vuri's College in, I believe it's Dalton, South Carolina. So come on. She could have said, this was my family. We moved from India. We, we experienced religious persecution and discrimination. And we came to this country and it was much better. But my father, did he want to work at that historically black college? Or was that the only place that would hire mm. a man with a turban on mm -hmm. from a religion that nobody understood? Now, he came to this country at a time in, in the 1960s when the University of South Carolina, that state's premier school, had first admitted black students in 1963. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They didn't have black students at the mm -hmm. University of South Carolina until 1963. Mm-hmm. And they certainly didn't have black professors at the University of South Carolina in 1963 or any Indian professors, I bet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that, but I'm willing to make a small wager that they didn't have any Indian professors with, with turbans on their heads at the University of South Carolina when Nikki Haley's father was applying for a job or right. looking for a job. Yes. And so you mean to tell me she doesn't know about racism and discrimination in America? Did her father, who was teaching black kids in South Carolina, who couldn't go to the University of South Carolina, but could go to this school, did he ever bring any black students home? Did he ever talk about his frustration in being able to get a job at the University of South Carolina instead of an underfunded, historically black college? Did he ever complain about the facilities at the historically black college compared to what he was expecting in America? Mm -hmm. Did he ever complain about the wages that he was getting compared to other professors? I mean, it's unbelievable that she indicated ignorance on this. And I mean, that's really profound. And she also had an interesting response to the question of the the uh, stimulus for the Civil War and and and, yeah. whether and whether slavery was an instrumental factor. It that you know to me, it was it was it was a disqualifying answer for the presidency of the United States. That's an easy question for a president to answer, given the other types of existential questions that a president is going to be confronted with when they take office. Mm -hmm. And if she can't handle that. She she's 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 in over her head. I I was looking at a at a uh, clip this morning, where you mentioned a bet, and uh, I'm 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 willing to wager people that Tim Scott will receive the v, 
that he'll be selected by Trump for the for the VP because uh, he's running hard for that for that position. Um, it, it's somewhat scary, but he's uh, he's he's he can be a convincing person given the audience that he's talking to. Yeah, but I you know it's uh, it, it Tim Scott is a whole nother issue. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, I, uh, yeah. go ahead. I, I, I raise him because. I raise his, his the specter of him or or Clarence Thomas or whoever that 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 archetype remains yep. in in our public discussion, mm-hmm. and it's January now. We have to some of us will pay attention on a regular basis between now and November. Others will will tune out and maybe not ever tune tune back in. But uh, and we've talked about media and the impact of of your perception of reality and how to kind of can kind of kind of inspire or or depress you. But yeah, he's going to be on the, the media is going to be uh, he'll, he'll be he'll be a player. He'll have some airtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly if he gets a nomination and I'm betting that he not that will be selected by Trump. I'm, I'm betting that he will be um, for, for a variety of reasons. Nikki, by the way, if I had to defend her, this might surprise you. She she talked about states rights mm-hmm. trumping the uh, the economic realities of slavery. I've read from time to time, as many people know, when the the Southern states succeeded, they wrote a a document. Each state wrote a document about why they're succeeding. And again, I think you'll agree in in the in the in the beginning, the agreement was slavery is okay. Each state would decide whether we want slavery or not. That was that was the bargain. That was the, the the that was the constitutional agreement. That was the three fifths clause. So when she mentioned states rights, yeah, from her standpoint, this. South Carolina had every right to remain uh, a, a slave-holding state for as long as it wanted to. And, and then, obviously, Strom Thurmond is a fascinating character in terms of South Carolina. And I like like to raise his name up for people to kind of, yeah. not to not to kind of salute how long he lived. I think it was like 100 or so. And not to talk about his uh, liking chocolate women, uh, which, which later became yep. revealed. But the fact that he was able to change parties. Mm-hmm. And in 1948, that he actually had a, a token run for for president. So as we talk about Trump today, but just uh, remember, as late as 1948, after fighting this war, World War II, where so many of us died, still you had segregationists feel that they could kind of had, had to reclaim their space. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, this is a this is a struggle we as it's the original sin of America, mm. slavery. And we have never, we still have not come to terms with it. That's right. And, um, you know, we've had several opportunities to come to terms with it. But we refuse to because there, again, is one of those, one of those issues. I think, you know, and I I look back at the guy that threatened me, he he really didn't like one of my pieces on reparations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Because that was an opportunity. We had several opportunities right after the Civil War, as you know. At the Sherman March to the Sea, he was in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. He ended his march from the Mississippi to the Atlantic, which really effectively ended the Civil War militarily. Yes. Um, he met with blacks in South Carolina and you know, to his credit, he asked them, well, what do you want? And it was unanimous. The blacks that 
he met with, these were, you know, former enslaved people, said, we want land. Mm -hmm. That's what we want. And, um, and, and Sherman was prepared to give it to him. Yes. And he was prepared to take it from the people who claimed to have owned those, those Africans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would have been justice to, uh, to, to give the blacks who worked that land without compensation that land back to them. Mm -hmm. Sure, the 40 acres and the mule, right. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And there was enough of it. There was enough of it there that they could have they could have made they could have made good on the wrong that they had done. But now you see people are saying, well, reparations won't work because you know who really was a descendant, who wasn't a descendant. We can know. We know who the descendants were. <laughs> but the bottom line is no, they don't want to give it up. They don't want to compensate black folks. Let's, let's as we kind of conclude, Dr. Frey, let's go down the rabbit hole again in terms of the, the Middle East situation because you know, land, partitions, yeah, economic oppression, uh that those these historical themes, you're you're an economist and a columnist and you've You've studied mankind's. When I say evolution, I'm not saying evolution, meaning that it's something getting a, better, a, 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 getting getting better, but just <laughs> the, the the various iterations of our dealing with these these issues about freedom and justice, uh, be it indentured servants or serfs, or we don't hear the word serf anymore. We don't hear the hear the hear, hear the word peasant peasant anymore. But we've had these words throughout history that talk about caste system. You referenced caste <laughs> in a way with Nikki Haley. Uh, the, the the what what kind of still be, bewilders me uh, in terms of the Middle East problem is what do you think what do you think the Hamas want wanted to achieve by the assault? My my the only thing I can come up with is that it was inspired by Israel. I can explain that later, mm -hmm. but I can't see what what. And what what do you think they expected to happen mm -hmm. after the, the the October 7th uh massacre in Term, terms of blowback yeah. and 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 Israeli res military response yeah and these these and just lastly these tunnels have been built for what the last 10 15 years right so i'm i'm curious what your that the media i haven't heard anything in the media be it al jazeera or or mm -hmm. cnn or anybody about what they uh, if the head of a Hamas came out today and said, we want this for, mm -hmm. so rather than from the sea to the river to sea, that's kind of, I guess, a metaphor. I mean, they really don't expect, I don't think that to happen. But what, what do, let me just a little. Yeah. Not, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I have, I've speculated on what it is their objective was from October 7th. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think that, um it's explainable using just sort of traditional analysis but i do mm -hmm. there were several things taking place prior to october 7th that were of great concern to hamas mm -hmm. there's been much talked about this uh rapprochement between israel and saudi arabia yes 
and that they were prepared to make a deal of recognition, Saudis recognizing Israel. Um, and I, you know, when you are an oppressed people and you are, I mean, we haven't seen this kind of oppression in a long time. Right. Where you've got, you know, two million uh, Palestinians, you know, squeezed into a very small landmass that is totally controlled by the Israelis. What gets in, what gets out, et cetera. And the people in that plot of land used to own land, used mm -hmm. to own farms, used to govern themselves, used to have the freedom of mobility, used to be able to, uh, to they had a country. Mm -hmm. And it's been taken from them. You are going to be pushed to the point where you're going to do things that you wouldn't normally do mm. if you weren't in that condition. Those that's the context that mm -hmm. that President Gay didn't didn't get into. Mm -hmm. Is what would cause somebody to essentially murder another human being. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the question. Mm. And if you mm. start unraveling that and looking at it and looking at it clearly, you will uncover that there's a wrong, a serious wrong taking place here. Let's look at this. You can't steal people's land and expect them just to take it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my biggest fear, Tom, right now is that, you know, we have created, we've added to this cycle of violence, this act by Israel on Gaza. This is not in their interest. This is not in the Israelis' interest to to commit essentially mass murder and genocide as the South Africans have, have accused. And they, they've, yeah, I mean, there's no question in my mind that the Israeli government has lost a public relations war. Oh, absolutely. And, and that, you know, lost a few weeks ago. So, but so where, yeah, where, as, as MLK would say, where do we go from, where, where do we go, we go, go from here? Um, and I thought you were going to say about the, the possibility of the World War Three. I, I think we, we, there may not be a global World War Three, but I think there, there certainly can be an expansion of, of, yeah. uh, of territories that would be under uh, under military co combat, as we see already, uh, right. and and we and people don't reference the Congo as much anymore, and although problems are going on there, and and yep. and, uh, Sudan. and 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 Sudan and 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 the South China Sea. So there's going to be pockets, and not to mention Venezuela. Uh, there's going to be pockets, and 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 even Brazil, for that matter. Yeah, definitely, definitely Argentina. So, looking at this, the geopolitics mm -hmm. of everything and America's role, yeah, that that's where the media still has not risen to the challenge. I'm I'm hoping there might be just a small show on one of the the, the major networks about the, the Monroe Doctrine, yeah, about about uh you know the War of 1812 uh, from, from the shores of Tripoli. I mean, even back then you had the, from the uh uh not not to mention Grenada and. Yeah, et cetera. So uh, American foreign policy will be discussed for this upcoming election, but it still is not going to be as cogent uh, yeah. or, or or as coherent 
uh, about how we how we gotten gotten to this place. Mm -hmm. uh, so, any any closing thoughts? We we we, we still want to remain somewhat. Uh, cynical yeah. has to be somewhat half. half yeah. Yeah, half, half, half full. Exactly. So it's <laughs> half full. And I I just think that, you know, you're seeing what's what's encouraging to me is that uh you're seeing people across the globe yes. um begin to share their understanding of right and wrong mm -hmm. and to be clear about it. Yes. And, you know, this isn't the first example of this sort of global um, uh, moment. You had it also to a certain extent after George Floyd. Mm -hmm. You know, there were there were protests around the world that Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. That, you know, forced the realization of it. It made people confront the reality. That's right. And now we have a situation where, and, and this is what scares, I think, the bejesus out of global powers. Uh, because as people begin to ask questions about uh, the behavior of governments, you know, we consider governments to be legitimate representatives of the people. But what happens when those governments begin to do things that oppress people systematically. Mm -hmm. Are those governments, are they are they functioning as they should? And um, and so you know we we've been through these types of seismic political shifts in our history, and you mentioned several of them. Um, but I I, I believe that um, there's there is a groundswell taking place across the globe of people who want uh justice social mm. justice mm -hmm. and are looking at the systems that we uh, in some cases accept as reality and, and 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 stuck in stone well those systems uh in my roads and my 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 rastafarian friends babylon is falling man <laughs> you had the one love bob bob marley you know, bob marley back bob bob would say babylon is falling uh and then even if that's the case what will rise up what what, what whether there'll be a coalition of other players or just or, or a dominant one um, I, I like the joking kid with folks not really joking kid but if you lived in Colombia one day and the next day you're you're living in Panama, so people forget yeah. to see even the creation exactly. of, of of the country. We we, right. we we were instrumental in creating a country, and I say that in the sense of resolving this this uh, Middle East situation. It, we yep. we can we can rename it, we can rebrand it. No, Rhodesia doesn't have to remain Rhodesia for the rest of its life. Absolutely, so, <laughs> Absolutely. we're not stuck. Uh, just and, to keep... and there's a, just a, a, just one more Rastafarian thought. Uh, this was told to me recently by a friend who's a Rasta. And he said, if you don't live in peace, you will rest in peace. Mm. 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 And that's that's profound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is really about, you know, peace. Excellent. So, Excellent. Excellent. so thank you, brother. Dr. Fred, thank you. And 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 well one love to the infinite degree yes yes man
Community Radio. 